Hey guys, I'm Adam Katz from DogTrainerToolbox.com as well as the Dog Trainer Marketing Group on Facebook. Thank you guys so much for all of the questions. I'm going to do this video a little bit different than I normally do. What I normally do is take one issue and create an entire video, typically seven to 12 minutes, and just delve into that one topic. But tonight, I'm going to do this a little bit different. I'm going to do kind of a lightning round where I'm going to run through a bunch of questions that you guys have asked and touch on each of them briefly. And then maybe later within the next week or two, I can then dive deep into some of the issues that require diving deep into. But first, if you want to grow your dog training business, if you want a consistent stream of desperate dog owners calling you each and every day, each and every week, each and every month, something that you can rely on to know that you're going to get a consistent stream of new clients coming into your dog training business, get in touch with me through dogtrainertoolbox.com. And in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see a box that says expert Google AdWords management for dog trainers only. Guys, this stuff really works. If we can get that campaign dialed in for you and match your message to your market, it can literally be life-changing and take you are from take you from where you are now to where you've always dreamed of being with your dog training business. So again, check out dogtrainertoolbox.com. All right, let's get into it. Eric Devine writes, what are your comments regarding selling via your website or using that to get them on the phone so that you can sell them then? Eric, it's a great question. My philosophy, let me open this up here. My philosophy is that I want to make the, the prospect, the prospective dog training client, jump through a few hoops before they actually get to my full pitch because it pre-qualifies them and it also kind of gets them into the mindset where I want them to be so that by the time I do get to the price point, they've already kind of demonstrated that they're, they're the type of client that I want to be pitching. So the way that I do it is I want to run traffic to the website or to the landing page, which is basically a one page website or a sub page on your website and get them to ideally pick up the phone and call. Once I'm on the phone with them, I'm not trying to sell them on the phone, although you can do that. That is a viable strategy. And many of my dog training clients do that. But for me personally, what I prefer to do is when I get them on the phone, because it's kind of a new relationship, you know, it's just a phone call. I'm only using that phone consultation to pitch them on booking the in-person consultation. My overlying theory is that it's always easier to sell somebody face to face than it is over the phone. And conversely, it's always easier to sell somebody over the phone than it is just in print. Print is definitely the hardest way to sell somebody. And especially when you're talking about, you know, in some cases, a two, three or even $4,000 dog training program, it's real hard to do that with two paragraphs of, of text of, of what we call copy. Um, it can be done, but typically it's not going to be done with, with a, a paragraph or two. It requires a long form sales letter and to write a long form sales letter that's persuasive, you really need to be an expert copywriter. Tim Cornett asks, uh, what's your strategy for vendor events and fundraisers? One of these uh, pet flea market type deals, you might have a local dog food table, a dog treat table, clothes, et cetera, that are pretty common around here. We're coming up on a lot of Barktoberfests. Well, look, if you have, if you have a lot of time on your hands and it's not too expensive to participate, then it would probably make sense. But whether or not I would do it would be determined by how many eyeballs I'm going to get in front of. 
the more eyeballs, the better off you're going to do. And it doesn't necessarily happen. doesn't necessarily have to be a pet related event. So farmers markets can be really great. Gun shows can be really great. Those types of things where if you can get the, the booth or the table cheap enough and you're getting literally hundreds of people walking past you, it could do really, really well. The one exception might be if, for example, if you, if you have like a veterinarian association get together of some type or vendor event where you have all of the veterinarians, let's say from Southern California, all meeting together at this group, and maybe there's only 200 of them plus vendors, um, I'd be all over that because the reality is if you can strike up a conversation and develop a relationship with a few veterinarians that run high traffic veterinary clinics, it can, it can like literally flip the switch for your business, like literally two or three, maybe four high traffic veterinary clinics can send you like 10 to 15 or even $20,000 worth of business a month. I mean, that, that's how powerful that is. So those types of events, I would be all over. And your your regular one, like it's let's set it up in front of a uh, uh, a pet smart or something, and you know you have people kind of trickle in, trickle out, uh, might not be worth your time. So it really comes down to how many eyeballs you can get in front of. Francis Whalen asks uh, how to deal with common client objections and how to reframe them, and then she went on to give me a couple of examples. I don't like the shot caller. Uh, he's not a bad dog after all. I'm too busy to train. I can't afford it. Uh, not in my budget right now. Now, this is kind of this is one of those topics that is just huge. And so I'm just going to be brief. Um, most of these types of objections fall into one of two categories. Either you haven't pre-qualified them. You know, when I talked about making them jump through a, a few hoops before you actually get to the consultation. Either you haven't pre-qualified them, and that's where things like um, he's not really a bad dog after all, or um, I'm too busy to train, or I can't afford it, it's not in my budget now, um, or, or their issues, their smokescreen issues. And generally what I found is that what works best is if you can preemptively address the objections before they come up. Brianne Durham asks, could you compile a list of the common marketing avenues that a dog trainer would take, for example, Google ads, YouTube, neighborhood magazines, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let me just give you a couple of them, a couple of my favorites right off the bat, and then maybe we can do a more expansive video at another time. I would definitely say Google AdWords. I would definitely say home shows, although home shows are expensive and you're probably going to need a staff to field the volume of leads because you're going to get literally hundreds of leads in a very short period of time. And if you're a sole proprietor, if it's just you and you don't have anybody to help you out, uh, you're probably going to get overwhelmed. So I would say in that case, maybe focus on smaller type events like gun shows or farmers markets or those types of things. Oh, and uh, uh, veterinary referrals, definitely veterinary referrals. Cameron Davis asks, don't have a marketing question, but more of an expanding question. Who should I hire first? run, I run everything out of my house. Uh, I would say hire a second dog trainer first. I'm assuming that you're, because you're asking the question, you're probably already at capacity. Otherwise I would say hire a virtual secretary to answer calls while you're out training with clients. But assuming that you're answer, you're asking this question, you're probably at capacity. So I would say hire another dog trainer because if you hire the right person, they can help you do other things like answer the phone if you're with a client 
or you have them work with the client and then you can answer the, the calls. Um, and then they can help you with marketing and other stuff as well. Ty the Dog Guy Brown asks, are there conversion number benchmarks you like to see for paid and organic traffic? Um, a little bit of a trick question, and I don't mean that you asked it as a trick question, but it's it, it's a tricky question. Let me phrase it that way. Um, paid versus organic traffic, those are two separate things. Um, I think what a lot of people don't understand is that even with just focusing on paid traffic or just focusing on organic traffic, a click is not a click is not a click. There's all different types of clicks. So for example, if we just take paid traffic, your, your benchmarks or your metrics for display ad campaigns are going to be completely different from uh, your, your search ad campaigns. And then getting even more granular, um, you could have completely different metrics for let's say dog training campaigns versus puppy training campaigns. Um, comparing the display ad campaigns, the Google display ad campaigns versus the search campaigns, typically what we're finding is that the, uh, the display ad campaign clicks generally cost about one-tenth uh, what the search campaign clicks cost. If we're talking about focusing on the money keywords, the ones that really produce uh, clicks that produce leads. Um, but you have to buy about 10 times as many display clicks to get the same result as you would from one, uh, from one search campaign click. So there aren't real universal metrics per se, but if I had to pick one, I would probably say uh, cost per lead. Heather Travis asks, how do you know if your website is converting well enough? How many visitors equal how many leads on average, stuff like that? Um, for most of you, it's probably going to be very difficult because you're sending all of your traffic to your homepage. So you may be running ads. You may be, you may have your website in a newspaper ad. You may have it on the side of your truck or your building. Um, and you've got all types of different sources. So you don't know if let's say the business card that your local veterinarian gave to your client and all those people who came to your website, um, well, those, those clicks are going to be really hot because you had a, a very warm referral source sending that traffic to you versus, you know, maybe you're running a billboard and those leads are typically not going to be as warm as the lead that you get from the veterinarian. So there really isn't any way to do that unless you set up a completely separate landing page on its own domain name and used call tracking numbers specific to that domain name. And that's actually what we do with not all, but with a, a lot of our Google ads clients. And it really benefits the clients that we're sending the traffic to their homepage with as well, because we're able to see from the ones that we are tracking, which keywords and things are working uh, at this point in, in time, meaning like 2019. All right, guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for the questions. I apologize if I didn't get your question. We'll try and do this again every, every week or so and see if I can get to everybody's questions. It is getting late and the allergies are kicking my butt. So um, we're going to call it a night right now. And if you do have other questions, feel free to post them in the Dog Trainer Marketing Group on Facebook. And I would do my best as well as every, everybody else. You know, we've got close to, uh, I think, coming up close to 2,000 dog training business owner members or professional dog trainers anyways in the group uh, contributing some really valuable content. So if you're watching this, maybe, for example, on YouTube and you're not in the group, get yourself in the group. It's free to join. Again, the Dog Trainer Marketing Group on Facebook. Talk to you soon, guys.